Hello, my beautiful woman in listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is the incredible Tanya Taylor. I am fangirling hard. I'm obsessed with her. Tanya Taylor is an independent fashion brand based in New York City. Founded in 2012, the brand presents a unique and refreshing vision inspired by the city's energy, art, and diverse women who inhabit it. Tanya's world is modern, artful, and liberating. Raised in a creative environment, Tanya was encouraged to explore art from a young age. From taking art class to painting vibrant murals on the walls of her childhood home, it all led her to find her purpose as a creative entrepreneur. Taking an artistic, thoughtful approach to fashion, she intertwines the use of color, texture, and original hand-painted prints with uplifting and celebratory silhouettes into each size-inclusive collection so all women have a way to express themselves creatively and confidently. Tanya received a Bachelor of Commerce in Finance from McGill University and is a graduate of the AAS Fashion Design Program at Parsons School of Design. She currently acts as CEO and Creative Director of the brand. She lives in New York City with her husband and two sons where she continues to be inspired by the city and finding new ways to create. I am, as I've mentioned, such a fan of Tanya Taylor. I tell her the story and my my favorite dress I own is Tanya Taylor. And it's like that dress where I get stopped on the street. It's just such an honor to interview her. I still like pinch myself sometimes of just the beautiful, brilliant woman who I get to meet. But I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to listen in on this conversation. Tanya is such a gift and I know that you're going to enjoy it. Now let's get on over to my conversation with Tanya. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up and forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Tanya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I have to show you. I have a dress by you. That like, I'm not kidding you. I have never been stopped so many times by girls. Oh my gosh, I want to see. I have to show you the dress really fast. Sorry if you're listening, you won't be able to see. But it's actually my profile picture. I'm obsessed. Hold it over a little bit. Oh, that's Cynthia. That is... Wait, no, wrong one. I have another one. That one is a favorite dress of many in this office, though, the one that you just showed me. No, I have another one. Okay, we'll find it later. Well, it was so popular one summer that we actually named it the Summer of Cynthia. Well, because it's it's pretty versatile, right? It's like a poplin dress that is easy for running around New York, but you also want to pack it and go on vacation. The best. Like, I need more dresses like that in my life. I should just make more of that one. I feel make like more, we... please. Yes. Okay. She's on my list. It'll come back <laughs> yeah. for you. Okay. But first, I just want to say one, I look up to your career so much. I feel like Thanks. to make your name in fashion, 
I come from the fashion industry. I know how hard that is and how much work that must have been. So I just want to honor you for a second. I think that's so amazing. That's so nice. Thank <laughs> you. That's that's a amazing Friday perk. <laughs> so let's go back in time. The beginning of Tanya's career. What did that look like? I know you went to Parsons. What did like the beginning stages of your career look like? I think my career really is rooted in the fact that I'm Canadian and I grew up in Toronto and I did not know what fashion looked like. So I kind of came about working in fashion in a really personal, indirect way. My Everyone in my family is an entrepreneur. So I, I didn't really understand how unique that is. And the conversations around our dinner table were all about how building companies that reflect your values meant a lot to them and that work never felt like work and that employees felt like family. So I kind of knew I was searching for that feeling. And I studied finance originally at McGill University. Then I moved to New York to go to Parsons because I was really craving a more creative experience. I really knew I always needed that foundation of finance and accounting and all the nitty gritty of how you run your own business. But I wanted to go to art school. And Parsons was so cool. It was an AAS program. So you had to have a degree coming from another discipline. So I was at schools like opera singers and you know pre-med students and lawyers. And so everyone was bringing like a different point of view to fashion, which I think was really inspiring to me. And also New York was so inspiring to me. So when I was there, I started working for Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson. They needed an intern and I needed experience because I knew no one in the city. So I was their intern for two years while they were building Elizabeth and James, which was a contemporary brand. And they were also building the row. So I think what I got to really hear was the differences of how you think about a customer at different price points. And I was just very um, motivated to work for someone that was designing for a customer that looked like them and that was their age and that they could understand really intimately. And I love that experience. It felt like a startup. I got to manage the budget of the design team. I got to design a third of every collection, do the prints. It was so hands-on. My parents thought I was crazy. I would call them like jumping up for glee when I was given permission to buy zippers for the for the company. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess that's like the exciting thing right now. Like you did, you do have a business degree, but okay, zippers are good. And I knew I could pour myself into this industry. So that's where I started. And I just, I never, I worked so hard and I really asked a ton of questions and I embedded myself in the company so that when I started my own company, I could feel secure with having had knowledge of a little bit of every department. Yeah. Those intern days are brutal. Totally. <laughs> I remember I, I interned, I won't say where, but it was just like they would message me and be like, can you move this box? <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm sitting <laughs> right in front of you. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh, I I know. And I think that I felt like I needed to always be useful. Like I was, I was the most, like I was the most active intern I think you could imagine. <laughs> and so I would, for fun, which is crazy, go and just start measuring all the rolls of fabric on my body, just in my free time to make sure that the quantities we thought we had, we had 
And my boss was like, oh my God. And so they finally hired me and I worked on their team for two years as well, which was great because I built the trust in them to, you know, know that I would work hard. And I think that it, that, that work ethic is just so important in this industry. So important. Yeah. And all, your work paid off. The intern work paid off. Which is yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so how did you get from working within a brand to having the bravery to say, okay, Tanya Taylor needs to be born. I'm going to start my own thing. I always kind of question the thought process because I can't say I had the best plan and the most deliberate timeline. It was really... I'm quite impulsive. So I had a bad day at work. I decided to resign. I realized I was Canadian. So I needed a visa to work in the United States and I needed to stay in the United States. And therefore, I was shoved into starting a company, which was great because I luckily am surrounded by people who know how to build business plans. I knew how to. I had firsthand experience on the costs of how you start something. And I had built really great relationships with some people that I wanted to hire. So I started with one employee. His name is Will. He is an incredible artist now in Hudson, New York. And I, he was my only team member for the first really two to three years. I kept the team really small. And I just kept saying every step of the way that I needed to follow my heart, my instinct and design for who I knew and what I loved. So that really dove me into painting prints and coming up with really unique, distinctive ideas on color and kind of classic fabrications. And I just had a blast. Like those first couple of years were thrilling. They were 11 p.m. fittings, but with the best music and bagels. And like, we were just having a, we were having like a lot of fun. I kind of think of Empire Records a lot. Yeah. The movie. And I feel like we were, we were like, like so high on life from the adrenaline. And it was really like adrenaline pushed us through those, you know, first years. I was newly married. My husband helped, you know, would pop by and help us move boxes. It was really interesting. And I think the best advice I ever got was, you know, in this industry, you have to do things that help you stand out. And you need to ask a lot of questions along the way and build mentors. And so in the second year of business, I applied for the Vogue Fashion Fund, which was so intimidating. I was 27 and I was, you know, in front of a panel of really intimidating industry leaders like Anna Wintour and Diane von Burstenberg and Jenna Lyons. And they ask you, who are you and why do you matter? And I think that If I hadn't gone through that experience, it would have taken me a lot longer to build this brand. It was one of those beginning experiences that really like rattled me to the core and made me defensive, but also made me probably unearth this sense of vulnerability and clarity of this is not a joke. Like this is not, we're not here to play and just make clothes. Like people, I need to really articulate what I want to do differently. And so I think some of those beginning kind of challenges really helped me develop a thick skin, but also just develop a sense of self. Yes. Who are you and why do you matter? That should be like... Yeah. I know. I I think I said, I'm an only child. And (laughs) 
I think my answer was so as if, I don't know, like my teacher was asking me or something. Like I didn't. <laughs> you were burdened that. Yeah, that's intense. I feel like that is, and that kind of goes back to my first comment too, is just the fashion industry. I don't know if people realize how hard it is. Like I was not at your level at all. And I just felt that very strongly of the sense of needing to prove yourself. Yeah. Like you walk in the room, it that does feel like the unasked question. Like who are yeah. you and why do you matter? How do you feel like you've been able to kind of, if you had imposter syndrome, I'm not sure if you did, but kind of like get into your sense of self and really like own who you are and your skill set? I think it's taken me 10 years and I still have times where I feel very shaky about um, just how tightly your identity is tied to your brand. And that's a really tough thing that especially affects women, I think, because we all become these like poster versions of our brand as well. So when the brand's doing well, I'm doing well. And when the brand's not doing well, does that mean I'm not doing well too? Like it's a little bit of a complicated relationship. And it definitely is connected to imposter syndrome. And so at at the beginning years, I didn't even know I had anxiety around going to industry events or speaking about what I was doing or what I believed in. But I definitely did. And I think that I just, I don't know, I put myself out there so many times for so many years that I've become much more comfortable with who I am. And also I just need friends. I feel like I have really nice friends now that I can lean on, that I feel the comfort with in the industry. And I also just don't care about the people that don't like me. At the beginning, I think I only cared about them. Like I would, I think my husband said this to me. He's like, the amount of time you spend thinking about the people that are rejecting you is misproportionate to the people you're thinking about that love you. Yeah. And that is, that's just kind of a, that's a, maybe a symptom of youth that like you're not looking in the right direction to be loved and supported. And now I'm 37. And so I just don't really give a lot of time to the, the negative sides of things because there's enough time to spend on the positives. Oh, yes. I also think there's something that comes with your name being your brand. Like Definitely. we already associate what we do with our self-worth, but it's like, when people sell their own name, like sell the company, I always yeah. think, oh my God, that would be very hard for me. Oh, me too. Me too. Because then you have someone else making choices with your name on the label. And, you know, there were years where I think I was making things and my name was on the label that I wasn't, I wasn't fully connecting to what we yeah. were making. And it could have been, you know, growing too fast, not trusting an instinct or like COVID just felt like it kind of shifted you in so many ways to just save the business. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that way anymore. Like I am looking at every stitch. I am like kind of now back in the driver's seat. It's it That helps you also not feel like an imposter when you have some, when you really feel like you're reflecting a sense of, you know, control or a sense of like, like your most creative self is where you want it to be. Like that, that's helped me feel a bit better about things. What about designing gets you out of bed in the morning? Like what about that design process excites you? I just love it. Like I'm a, I'm a, 
I'm a kook. Like I feel like we have a design room in our office and I spend a lot of time in there. I have an amazing design team and I think they would say that I am the most emotive person that they've worked with. Like you could show me fabrics. I'm like, oh my God. Like I, I just, I get excited. I start flooding ideas. I feel like that's just, it's just the most amazing industry. Like it's so fun. We get to make clothes. We get to dream up things that don't exist. And pretty quickly, like I... My husband makes TV shows and he has an idea and it takes, you know, two years. I can have an idea and we make it in a week. Yeah. So I do love the concept of being creative and then the immediacy of seeing a sketch and seeing a design, the color, how women will feel when they wear it, how much energy and happiness can bring to people's lives. Like all the good emotions that come from fashion is what gets me out of bed. Do you take it to the emotional level of the customer of like, I want this customer to feel this when she wears this. Oh, 100%. We used to have hang tags that literally said that. We used to have hang tags on our dresses that said, wear this to feel strong. We'll wear this to feel creative. Now we've gone to like a different, like more streamlined kind of branding. But yes, absolutely. Like we talked to the end degree of what kind of shoe and earring the person should wear with this style and where they're going and what they're projecting. Like my grandma and my mom really taught me that they would get dressed in the morning to say something with their outfits and they would say something with the colors they chose. And so kind of choosing colors and thinking of clothing in that way, I just, I think it's an art. And it's, it's really, it's like you're, you know, creating an art piece every time we make collections. It is. And I feel like I'm so that person that runs around in like aloe way too much of my life. (laughs) But like when I get dressed and I truly love my outfit and I feel like I made an effort, I do feel more powerful. Like I feel much better when I get dressed up. Yeah. And also in important moments of your life, You remember those, you remember how you felt in the clothes you were wearing. And I think a lot of women buy us for important moments in their life, whether it's, you know, a lot of people buy us for like bridal showers or first days at work or, you know, just like we have a bit of a specialness, like we're not an everyday kind of clothing. And I feel so like grateful and honored that we'd ever be framed in someone's picture that's in our house of something that mattered to them. And it means that we did a really good job in, in respecting what they wanted to do that day or how they wanted to feel. So you have an interesting background as a designer because you have this like finance background as well. How do you feel like you look at running and scaling a business? Well, I really do still have a hybrid job of being the CEO and the creative director. I think having both actually really helps inform choices on either side. And when I think about scaling our business right now, I'm fully focused on retail and how we bring a more, like how I, how I build a world that gets closer to this customer. I think that, you know, when we started 10 years ago, we started as a wholesale dominant brand and that has been so informative and incredible to build relationships through Saks and Neiman's and 
you know, many, many specialty stores, like over a hundred now in the US. And we still absolutely love those relationships. What I want to do is understand the limitations of those relationships by just the virtue of what they can buy and be able to start opening our own stores. So our first store is opening on Madison and 77th. And um, thank you. I'm so, so it's the best exciting project to work on. And we're not opening till August because there's so much renovation in this space that we have to do, but I love it. And I just can't wait to like literally sit there and wait for people to walk in and help them and learn from them and be in the change rooms because I've never had that opportunity. So growth for us is learning more and having more locations where people can come in and really be inspired and understand the brand that we're building. Yeah, so powerful. I was just listening to a podcast on LVMH. Oh, yeah. They were they really were like the pioneers of the store within a store and they kind of yeah. with the wholesale model so they could really own that customer experience. Well, and they also were quite progressive post-pandemic in getting leases in some markets like in Atlanta and Charleston and like interesting kind of pockets of the United States that never, you know, brands hadn't really decided to ever activate. And I feel like LVMH was really aware that there was going to be this like sub-market growth. And that's big for our business too. And where we usually travel to, to really engage with customers. Yeah. When you look at inclusivity, and I know you really stand for having like size runs that support every woman and really like taking all women into account. How are you able to scale that and really like prioritize being having different options? Because I know it's like, there's an investment there and you're not sure, right? Like what size yeah. runs and it gets quite complicated with that. It's, it's really complicated and it's progressive. It's getting more complicated, unfortunately. So we started producing up to a size 22 six years ago. And it was before any contemporary brands were producing above a 14, really. And that created two obstacles. One, how do you ensure great fit when there aren't, you know, fit models in New York City that have even had experience with brands that might do, you know, the woven fabrics we work with? Like a lot of extended size industry was based on stretchy jerseys and athletic wear. And so it was a whole retraining of how we bring beautiful feminine fabrications and fit to this customer that I thought was just such an important problem to fix. And then secondly, how do you get your retailers to support it? Because they had never really, you know, it was a disjointed shopping experience for women that were different sizes and it was an unfair shopping experience. So I really felt like I needed to take as much as I knew how, how to do in terms of manufacturing and just try to fix the problem. So we definitely had great retailer support and we have spent the last six years really caring about fit and caring about the shapes we design and not even about you know size 14 and above only, but just generally across all our size range. Women like to wear bras. So make sure that you can wear a bra with the dress. Make sure that, you know, 
different bus sizes feel comfortable at all sizes, that this zipper's in the right place to make sure you can get it on right. Like it felt like there were such basic things that a lot of um, women were complaining about clothing not, you know, making sense. And so I think inclusivity to us is just listening and caring and putting a lot of attention to fit and fitting on a size four and a size 18. And then really owning that relationship with that customer, mostly through our own DTC channels. Amazing. I love that you've done that. I think it's so important and very brave because you do have to pave the way and you do have to go have, you have to create something that hasn't existed in an industry. I know. I wish it, I I really hope it can exist more in the future. I think that people see it as a budget constraint and it's, we have put together a one to 10 step guide of exactly what it costs and exactly how to do it hoping that bigger companies can really see it and say, okay, there is definitely an investment, but there's also a payoff for the underserved customer that's super loyal. When you're looking back at your career, do you think there's a moment where you made a decision that really impacted your success? That's such a good question. I think my success... And the company's success has a lot to do with hiring an incredible team and believing in them and knowing how to communicate. So probably after I had kids, I became a bit more focused in how to be a better leader. And I'd say there was a turning point in feeling like life was really valuable and this, my time was valuable. So I needed to like buck up <laughs> and, be, and yeah. be, more, be more present and yeah. hire people by asking tougher questions in interviews and really knowing who they are and just taking it more seriously. I think kids put that in perspective. You're making a choice to be really hardworking and I'm at the office every day and I love it. And I, but I'm making that sacrifice for not, you know, being with them. So it made me kind of just really focus more. No, I think that's such a good answer. I think there's so many amazing brands out there that no one knows because they haven't been able to go to that next level. Yeah. These brilliant creative people. And so I ask that because it's like, I think sometimes it exceeds why at the right time and like your preparation as a leader or as an owner meets the opportunity at the right time. But I do think those decisions and leadership and the team, they matter so much. Yeah. I feel like when I took fear out of the equation, like I, I think that when I started the brand, I was so naive and courageous. Then four years in, I'm kind of like, oh God, this is real. And I had a lot of fear. And then there was just this turning point in the last couple of years that I kind of just took fear out of it and recognized that there are 40 people that work in this office that are looking for a smile, looking for a reason to be encouraged about their job, looking for direction. And you lean into them and they lean into you. And it's really nice. Like it's a really, it becomes a really rewarding relationship and job versus feeling like scared and by yourself. Yeah. And I think that's really hard when you start companies at a young age to know how not to be by yourself. Like it's not natural of how you're going to be vulnerable or how you're going to 
react when business is bad. So I think that it, it literally just took a bit of maturity and like growing up with this to be able to feel like the relationship of like leaning into my team and feeling supported by them is really what's so, it's, it's a pivoting point. It is. I think it's also this moment of like, you could work so many different places and you're choosing to invest in me and believe in my vision. And yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. And so scary, right? Because yeah. you're like, I, you totally forget that they tell their family they work at your name and you're like, oh my God, like this feels like now I have this next level of responsibility to make their parents happy. And like, you just feel all these things. And uh, it's <laughs> that I probably shut that out for a really long time because it was scary. It is scary, but it's also like, you know, you're in the right place because you're giving off something that people want to be a part of. Yeah, and embrace it. When you think of the future of Tanya Taylor, what are you most excited about? I am most excited about the brand being a really inspiring, creative brand where we have amazing clothes, but we also have an amazing impact on community. And we have a really inspiring conversation with our customers. I just want to be really embedded in people's lives. And I think that's why I'm so excited about this store because I want to host so many events that are atypical to fashion brands. And I want to teach painting classes. And I want to do like IG lives once a week and ask customer questions and show them what's going on in the store. And so I just am so excited to feel more connected to people like over the next years. Yeah. Community building. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I want to be invited to these events. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fly to New York from Miami to paint with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anya, last question. This has been amazing, truly. Well, and thank you. My last question is, what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who's wanting to start her own business? That you probably know more answers than you think and form your answers through other people's experiences. Like really start to meet people that represent what you think you want to be. Ask them how they got there. Pull apart if that sounds right to you. Before you kind of set your goals that are maybe unrealistic. Like I, I really feel like when I talk to women who are starting companies, they're looking for answers from other people or they're looking for answers outside of themselves on things they fully know. And so it's just confidence. It's like find a way to unlock your confidence because it's so special when people can build things that really are distinctive to them and their experiences. I hope more women can find with partnership with each other and community with each other, that kind of sense of support. Oof, so good. Yes. You know more than you think you know. It's like everything. Let's make a t-shirt that says yes. that. Yes. <laughs> that will be the episode title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tanya, thank you truly so much. You are Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I hope we get to meet because you are such a warm interviewer over the phone, but you oh, seem like <laughs> I'm trying. 
Oh, we have to meet. I'm in New York all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. our office is on Union Square. You're welcome to come by anytime. Oh, I cannot wait. Congratulations. I'm so excited for you. I'll be like your biggest fan girl. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, appreciate including us on this. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.